dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sure he did. Touchdown to Court Lions. You're listening to the One Podcast. First and 10 from the New England 33. Stafford will take the direct snap. LeGarrette the lone back behind him. Matthews got it. Wants to throw. Rolls to the right. Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there. Enzo caught. Touchdown to Court Lions. Marvin Jones. 33 yards on the connection. And the Lions answer the Patriot touchdown with one of their own. Welcome to the One Pridecast, guys. I'm Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com and your host for this official Lions podcast. As you guys have heard over the past couple of weeks, I've had a special guest on with me <laughs> each week, and I love having him here on the podcast with me. That's Lomas Brown across the table from me. You can hear him, hear him laughing a little bit across the table. Uh, it is a, an exciting week in Allen Park after the Lions beat the Patriots on Sunday night. Definitely a better mood around here. Players are pretty happy about that. Uh, but Lomas, you and I got to do something pretty cool after the game on Sunday. We had our very first uh, live post-game show. Yeah, that was great, too. And Tori, <laughs> man, we kicked it off with a nice victory, didn't we? That was nice to be able to talk about the victory. So it was great. It was fun being there with you. So we had a lot of good things to talk about. So hopefully we'll keep that going. Yeah. And even on our post game show, we referred back to the podcast. We said, like we said earlier in the week on the podcast. So really, if you're listening to the podcast, you're kind of uh, you're on the cutting edge of (laughs) the conversations that happen on the post game show because you're hearing it midweek. So I love that you guys join us during the week for these podcasts. And I'm excited about this post game show. We'll kind of see where it goes kind of in the beginning stages of it. Hopefully in the future we'll have uh, live press conferences on there. We'll have Lomas and I. We'll have highlights. Uh, who knows? Maybe even some interviews. We'll see how it yes. ends up playing out. But uh, this last Sunday night was just kind of the beginning of that, and uh, we'll see how it develops as the season goes on. But hopefully you'll be seeing lots more of Lomas and I together, right? Yeah, that would be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to say, I need a box. Oh, yeah, on. yeah, we will. We will get her a box. She was a little short. It wasn't a uh, height proportion that no. we weren't at that point. So we're going to work on getting Tori a nice box so we could be about almost the same height. Yeah, podcast listeners can't really uh, get a feel for or appreciate just how vast our height difference is. Because yeah. uh, all they can do is hear our voices here. But then when you see us on camera next to each other, it is a whole head difference. Like, yes. it's not just a little bit. And I'm not that short. Right. That's I'm what average. it was shocking. Shocking to me, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, I don't know. Did they frame us up a little small, or was that just us? I guess that's just us, yeah. Lomas. Like, I'm 5'6", so that's, yeah. that's very average. Yeah, for a woman, and I'm only 6'4 like. and a half. Only 6'4 you know? and a half, right? So people were tweeting me afterwards, and they were like, Tori, are you that short, or is Lomas that tall? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's just the difference between our heights makes it look so dramatic, but definitely – uh, I'm going to need a box or we're going to need to like sit in chairs to yeah. kind of level it out a Or maybe bit. I'll work on my squats a little bit and I'll <laughs> squat down a little bit. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, it was a funny sight to see, but um, I was just telling Lomas I had – flats on in that video too so maybe i can help us out with some heels next time can i tell the audience i call her that she was the hardest working woman on sunday oh my goodness i seen tori i don't know how many different spots of the stadium she's up in the stand she's interviewing people Man, and we didn't get through with our post game show till I mean you stayed late. late you stayed later than I did. So it yeah. was a late night. So she worked so hard this Aww, Sunday, everyone. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Game days are a little bit crazy for me. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, and especially this Sunday was a little bit nuts, especially when it's those primetime games that yes. are a really big deal. Uh, the Lions really amp up everything that goes on in the stadium for those primetime games. So uh, it, it was a crazy night. And then after you and I finish our post game show, I go back and edit. That's oh. not the end of the night for me. So See, that's game days are crazy. Saying. Wow. <laughs> and there's no overtime pay, right? That's nope. all. There it is. Nope. So come on now. Come on, people out there. <laughs> she works so hard for this. So hard. I paid him to say this, <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. But thank you, Lomas. I really appreciate that. It's all fun. So uh, we enjoy game days. That's kind of what we live for in our jobs is being able to really have a great time on game days and, and – um, pretty fun when you get to talk about a win yes. and a game that's as unexpected as it was so many experts picking the patriots in that game i was on a patriots video yeah. on the patriots website early in the week they asked me who i thought would was going to win i said well i think the patriots probably have the advantage in this one as the Lions are uh, still kind of yeah. figuring out uh their season under a new head coach and then they went and shocked all of I us know. on Sunday. <laughs> Tori, I was with you. I mean, <laughs> I was one of those experts that was on the Patriots man wagon too, and you are so right. I mean, I guess Tori was what we had seen. I mean, in the first two games, and it was kind of hard to imagine them coming out right. and doing – and not only beating them, they dominated them on both sides of the ball. That's I think that shocked me more than anything else is not only did we win the game, but we dominated the New England Patriots and made them – I mean – 40 to 20 in time of possession. I, I don't know if I've heard of that before. That was crazy. That was definitely crazy. I mean, uh, just everything about the game was surprising in terms of how it was predicted to go. Yes. Now, you and I talked about it on the podcast last week. It wasn't like this run game came out of nowhere. Right. They did show right. it in San Francisco. They did have flashes of the run game in San Francisco. Uh, but then they come out and have an incredible day in the run game. Finally pass. That 100-yard rusher oh. mark that we haven't seen since 2013. You and I talked about it on that post-game show yes. that we did after the game. I mean, that that's a huge deal for this team. Oh. I, I know that not every player on this team has been there through that right, streak, so right. it's not all their faults. But the fact that it's taken this long and that the Lions as a whole have struggled in the run game for this long – for them to finally surpass that says a lot about how much this team, I feel like, has invested in the run game this offseason. It said so much, Tori, to remember everybody in the stadium gave carry on the standing ovation. <laughs> I remember, I was like, it was unbelievable to see that because he went over the 100 mark. Right? And you're right, it's been, what, five years. It's been a long time. A lot of these fans hadn't seen a 100-yard rusher, so they showed their appreciation by getting up on their feet and clapping for him. It was unbelievable to see that. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moments during the game on Sunday, and Lomas, I haven't seen a 100-yard rush <laughs> right. for the oh. Lions. My first season with the Lions was 2014. Wow. That happened in 2013 the last time. So since I have worked for the Lions, I haven't seen that until Sunday. Wow. That, and Tori, doesn't it make a big difference? It does. I mean, we look like night and day, and you know how I've been harping over it over the last two <laughs> years. But we look so different when we got a run game. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. I mean – 
it just helps Matthew out so much. Yes. And on top of that, it wasn't just the run game. It was that the offensive line was giving him yes. time to pass as well. Now, I know this is your favorite thing to yeah. talk about, so I'm going <laughs> to let you run with it. Tell me what you liked about the offensive line on Sunday. I mean, I, what I love, I, I think it was like two plays that I've seen, um, Tori, that – uh, carry on ran the ball and he had ran for five yards before he got touched before he got touched and you don't see that in the NFL right. a lot you just don't and it was just a surge of the big guys especially Frank Ragnow Graham Glasgow and uh, TJ on um, um, him coming yeah him coming back I always said I thought he was the glue of the offensive line and when he came back it just seemed like that line came together and it was so good to see them guys get an opportunity to run the ball and see carry on get an opportunity. I talked to him during that week, and I asked him, is he the type of running back that needs to get in a groove and get some carries so he could get his groove going? And he said yes, and it was welcoming to see that they gave him the opportunity. So it was great to see that. And like you said, Tori, Matthew had time a couple of times. He padded the ball a couple of times, looked around, <laughs> then decided to throw the right. ball. Yeah. Now, so it, it, it just affects so many things, and it helps out so many, and it definitely helped out the offensive line. Yeah, definitely having T.J. laying back, I think, yes. was huge. Not that – you know, who was playing for him in the interim was playing poorly. It was just that, like you said, he's kind of the leader in that offensive line room, and you called it the glue. And I think that that's, I think that's a, a, a good description for TJ when he is healthy and when yes. he's out there uh, playing with this offensive line. Now, I talked to Coach about this a little bit on our Coach's show for the Fox Sports Detroit uh, TV show that we do on Thursdays. And you did a very good job. I've seen <laughs> that. Yeah, some very good questions you had for Coach. I watched that. Yes. Thank you, Lomas. Thank you. You got Please. a stalker. I'm stalking her, everyone. Well, I, I don't know what I've done to make you be so nice to me today, but I'm just really feeling great about things. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I talked to him, and I kind of asked him, you know, how much of this was carry-on and how much of this was the offensive line. What did you think? I think a lot of – I think it was a, a, a combination, but I do think it was more on the offensive line. And yeah. I think Carrion would be the first one to tell you that too. Because, again, when you're getting pushed like that and the running back can get the ball and see what he wants to do with it, a lot of times, if you remember, Tori, our guys were getting the ball and having to make cuts in the backfield. And that's not good for running backs. You want to be able to get the ball, see – the play developed, then hit the hole. Carrion was able to do that fantastic all day. What they did for Matthew in the past game, that just it, it just was a snowball effect. So I, I would say the old line they 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 deserve a lot of the credit for what happened on Sunday night. And that was Coach's answer as well. Yeah. He really emphasized just how much credit goes to the big guys up front and what they were able to do along the offensive line and. Now that we've heard it from Coach and Lomas, yeah. I think that uh, I think it's safe to say that that's probably probably a big part of why uh, the Lions reached that 100-yard rusher mark. Although credit to Carry On, it was yes. so fun to see his teammates hyping him up after that. <laughs> I, I loved that moment in stadium. It was on the video boards. It made it on the broadcast. Theo Riddick and Legarrette Blunt uh, just dancing around him and having a good time, congratulating the rookie. Uh, it's cool to see guys get excited. For it their is. Like it that. really is, and maybe that's the first of a lot. More 
more 100-yard games for him. I think sure. it could be. Yep. It, it sure could be. All right, let's talk defense since we haven't spent a ton of time on that yet. Uh, that Darius Slay pick, I feel like, was a huge moment in that game. We talked about it on the post-game show of just kind of how it was a moment of expectation, like nervous expectation in the stadium. Everybody was happy that the Lions were ahead, but right. Brady had the ball in the fourth quarter, and you're like, okay, what does this mean? Is this going to be, you know, some sort of Brady comeback right. here? Uh, and it wasn't. Uh, and I think a big part of that was Darius Slay uh, getting the ball back to his offense. Absolutely. There. It was, Tori. That that secondary, too. They they played well. Think about it. Tom Brady, 133, I think, passing yards in a game. I, I, I mean, I don't remember a stat like that for Tom Brady. I mean, he didn't play most of the game. He was a spectator for most of the game. Man, I thought our defense did a good job, especially the guys up front, too. I thought they controlled his offensive line. They didn't explore this with any big runs. And what I thought was going to be a problem for us, either Gronk or those running backs matched up on our linebackers. I mean, Gronk, I think four catches. I mean, we we did a nice job totally. We took Gronk out the game, took Tom Brady out the game, and then Darius, he sealed it. Because you're right, we were getting nervous. We had seen this so many times <laughs> before, Tori, Aaron Rodgers. We just seen this ugly horror show over and over again, and it was nice that Darius came up with the big pick, which we – kind of got used to last year because our defense had a lot of turnovers. So it was just glad that he sealed the thing and we were able to get out of there with a win, a dominating win. Big play slay. That's him. That's that why is they him. Call him that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so then the Lions have also been getting a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. It's an area yeah. that we've said that they needed to improve in for a long time. But it's interesting to me, it's coming a lot from the linebacker yeah. position. Uh, you know, even in San Francisco, all six of their sacks in San Francisco were by linebackers. What do you make of that? I just think, one, we're missing Ziggy. I do. I really do. I just think Ziggy, because uh, the offensive line would have to pay attention to Ziggy, so they might have to either slide the protection to Ziggy or maybe have an extra guy look at him. And it's going to free our other guys up with one-on-ones where they should beat them. Without a threat on your front line, a real, real pass rushing threat, they don't have to really worry about that. So that's why I see why we're having to send linebackers and do different things sure. with them to get pressure because I just think Ziggy is a big piece that we need going forward that if we could get him healthy, I think he's going to help that whole defense. Okay, moving forward then, how do the Lions take this game and build off of it and yes. not just let it become an emotional moment that was huge because their coach was playing his former team and they hadn't won a game yet and it was Sunday night football. There's a lot of emotions wrapped yes. up in this game. How do you not let that uh, you know, kind of just be a one-time moment? And how do you build off of that for the rest of the year? Tori, I'm telling you, I would take, if I'm Coach uh, Jim Bob Cooter, Whatever game plan he had, I'm taking that exact game plan to Dallas with me. <laughs> I'm going to make Dallas stop me. I'm not going to change my game plan up because we're playing Dallas. I'm going to make Dallas stop me. That's a sign of a good offense. So if I'm Jim Bob Cooter, I'm going in. I want to run carry on 15 to 20 times a game. I want to do the exact same thing that I did 
to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. The exact same thing. I don't think you could do that on the offense. I'm sorry, defensively, I don't think we can do that. But offensively, we could take our game plan in there and run, and pretty much execute the same thing. So hopefully we'll do that. Hopefully we won't try to get cued and try to pass the ball more. Let's grind it out. Let them big guys eat like I like to say up front. The big guys like to eat. We deserve to eat. Let us eat up front. He's going to take the snap, give to Michelle, running right, hitting the backfield, drop for a loss. Did not get the first down. Big play by the defense led by Glover Quinn. Fans will get more with their money this season at Ford Field. Stop by one of the many concession stands offering the silver savings value menu combos. $10 for a hot dog, chips, and 20-ounce soda, or $12 for a hot dog, chips, and 12-ounce beer. These deals are unlike any other concession deals in the D. Brady's got it. Wants to throw from deep in the pocket. Throws deep downfield. He wants to set. It is picked off by the line. Darius Slay's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Darius with a flag down at the 48-yard line. Tavon Wilson with a block. May have gotten flagged for that one, but the damage is done. That's a big-time pick by Darius Slay. Let's turn the page then to the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Lions are going to head on the road week four, have a chance to split this first quarter of the season into two and two, as many teams in the NFL like to break it up. I think that that would be huge if they were able to come back uh, from this week four game with a win and be two and two rather than one and three. I think that that, that's a big difference there. Uh, And they're facing a Cowboys team that really hasn't, been hot lately they had a good game against the Giants uh, but they did not play well against the Seahawks this last week do you see an opportunity oh without a doubt Tori I I mean I'm not really sold on Dallas I mean I think they're one-dimensional like we were looking for a run game that's all I think Dallas really has is a run game over there and so I, I do think we defensively I think we can if we could stop Zeke just concentrate on stopping Zeke. I think we could have success against them from a defensive standpoint. And I think what conversely what we're going to have to do is protect Matthew when we do throw the ball because Dallas can rush the passer. They can get after the passer and stuff. So how do we do that, Torrey? Let's run the ball at them. They're they're not a real, real big defensive line. So let's run Mm. it at them. They're more athletic, smaller line. So let's run the ball at them. Let's do the same thing like I say we did against New England, try to pound the ball against those guys, then let Matthew throw later on in the game and watch he have success with that, especially with the play action, because he used that well in the second half of New England. And I think the same thing can go well against Dallas there. So we want to do that. Plus, you're going to have all those people in the stand. You want to quiet them as much as you can. So if we can get out and run the ball and get first downs, I think that'll help. That's really interesting perspective to me. And and for those who might not uh, follow the Cowboys as heavily They've got a little moniker going uh, for their pass rush right now called the Hot Boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> they really have a little bit of swagger, a little bit of attitude coming in. And uh, in the past, it's been really this Dallas offense that's carried the team. And right now, the defense is really uh, uh, playing well because that Dallas passing game is really suffering. And I thought it was so interesting in this last game that Ezekiel Elliott still ran for 100 yards, mm-hmm. over 100 yards. And they just could not pass the ball, and they lost that game. How does a team do so well on the ground, which the Lions have tried to do for so long, and not be able to pass the ball uh, and, and have that result in the I line? know. I, and, and think about it, Tori. Remember 
coach uh, Scott Linehan is their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, the same OC that we had here. So we've seen Scott Linehan's offense up close and personal. And I think the thing he does is, we, as we can remember, he likes the big plays. He likes to try to get the big plays. So sometimes coach will abandon the run. Because I think Ezekiel got those, I don't know if those were over 20 carries that he got those hundred and some odd yards. No, they so, weren't a lot of carries. Exactly. So he he will because he wants to go after the big plays. He likes to get the chunk plays. And I guess he thinks the run game is too monotonous, trying to get down the field. So that could work in our favor because if I'm Dallas, I'm trying to do the same thing I want us to do, is which is to run the ball and then make Zeke comfortable. I'm sorry, make uh, Dak comfortable and let him throw the ball. But again, I think Coach Shan- Coach Linehan gets a little impatient sometimes, and he's an offensive coordinator that likes to get the big chunk yardage. That's why I think he abandons the run play and abandons Ezekiel Elliott a lot of the times. Interesting. Yeah. But but here's the thing: is the Dak can take it on the run too. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't know if Dak likes to do that. He he'll run if he has to, sure. but I just don't think he's a willing runner like some of the other guys like in the league. Maybe Russell Wilson, right? Exactly right. Or Cam Newton. Those sure. guys are more willing. I just don't think. I think Dak runs it because he has to, not because he really wants to. Mm, interesting, interesting. So moving forward from that game against the Patriots, uh, we kind of talked about emotionally what they needed to do to move forward, but what things do you think they need to carry over into this game? I think one goes without saying is uh, have a run game yes. in this game. Obviously, you want to focus on that. Again, you don't want to abandon it. You and I have talked on this podcast before about how they need to be more committed to the right. run game. Keep trying at it. Uh, and you want to see them do that again in Dallas, but what else do we need to see them do? So two things for me, Tori. Clean up the penalties. Mm. Man, our penalty. Think about how big our penalties have been. I think it's been like two, maybe two, I mean, touchdowns brought back off of penalties, especially in the special teams. So we yeah. got to get better cleaning up our penalties, you know, and not just in special teams, offense and defensive side of the ball. I think that's been hurting us real, real bad. And then there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, and then as a defense, just like we did with Tom Brady, three and outs, three and outs, yeah. three and outs. You remember that was a problem last year. The defense couldn't get off the field on third down. That was an excellent job Sunday night getting off the field. So if we could do that against Dak, three and outs, get the defense off the field, get the offense on the field. And, man, these penalties because – some of these penalties, oh my gosh, you got a lineman holding the guy out in space. Yeah. Let him go. Just <laughs> let him go. You know, take a chance on the guy, but let him go. Some of these things can be avoided. So that's what I'm happy about. Sure. Some of them are teachable and coachable, but we just got to clean those up. Okay, I'm going to add one more. Okay. This kind of went under the radar on Sunday because they won and because it was such a shocking win and everything, but the red zone. Mm. They settled for field goals so many times on Sunday when they had chances to score. Great and usually point. against the Patriots, that uh, that will get you. That's that right. will come back and get you. I actually saw a funny tweet, um, and I'll have to look up who it was from, but uh, during the game on, <laughs> on Sunday, and they said that uh, teams going up against the Patriots and settling for field goals is kind of like when you're watching a horror movie and somebody says, I'm going to go get some help. <laughs> 
because you know you know what's gonna right. happen. You know bad things are ahead when you see a team settling for field goals against the Patriots. You're Usually right. they take advantage of that. Now that didn't happen on Sunday. I thought that was a great tweet. Right, um, I like that. But <laughs> you know, I think that that's something that they can't continue right. uh, going great forward. Point. And it's been a struggle for them in the past. Yeah. This isn't new. This isn't a new issue. They've had these uh, red zone struggles in the past. And it didn't haunt them on Sunday, but if we keep seeing this, it eventually probably will. You know, that's and that's a great point. And I, you're right, I overlooked that. And, and you're right. And the reason why, Tori, is because the field gets so condensed yeah. when you get in that red yeah, why zone. Is that? Explain yeah. that for me. Why that? Why it gets so difficult in the red zone? And I've heard players yeah. talk about it before, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, because when you get in that yardage red zone, they normally started probably about the 20, maybe some started the 25-yard line and in. They consider that the red zone. And it's not a lot of room. It's not a lot of space to work with. So the routes get condensed down from the wide receivers. Actually, your playbook gets condensed down. There's only so many plays that you can run in that yardage situation. And you're far enough out where the run game, it can be effective, but it's really not that effective. So. Mm-hmm. When you get in the red zone, this precise plays. That's why we used to have red zone plays because it's a, it's a certain plays that you that we thought would have success in the red zone that you can run. But it's tough once you get in there. Defense, you know that it works to their advantage because again they can use the sidelines, they can use the end zones. Right. They help them too, so it, it really helps a defense more than it does the offense. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be an area that. <laughs> Needs a little bit of focus, and it's going to get more attention. That was a if, good point. If eventually they come to a game and right. it comes back to bite them, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I definitely agree that this is an opportunity against against Dallas. N- now, <laughs> I feel like after seeing last week go exactly the opposite of the way everybody right. thought that it would. You know, maybe there's some danger in saying that, but I do feel like uh, you know this is not a Dallas team that is rolling right now. Right. Uh, they've got some weaknesses, like we talked about uh, the passing game. They made a lot of mistakes in that game against the Seahawks. So there is an opportunity here, but it is mm-hmm. a home game for the Cowboys. Lines are going on the road, um, and in in preparing for this game. I thought I'd ask you about this. I feel like even just in my short time here, I've got some interesting memories of Dallas games, and I know Matthew Stafford does as well. He's had some crazy games yes. against Dallas. Uh, you know, what moments kind of come to mind between the Lions and the Cowboys? Oh, man, for me, it's the 91 playoff game when we played them at the Silverdome and we beat those guys. And <laughs> I'm telling you, Tori, I never heard the place as loud as the I mean, you couldn't even talk to the person standing right next. You couldn't hear what they were saying right next to imagine. you. Oh, it was so so awesome and the way we beat them and we were two teams young teams going up like that that particular playoff game and then I remember Barry they had they dubbed it as Barry versus Emmett a Monday night game yeah and man I think Barry had 190 yards rushing I think Emmett had 130 something yards rushing but it was just a battle going back and forth. And, of course, we came out on top. The Lions did. <laughs> Tori, to be honest with you. Respect to Emmett, though. That, respect, yes, he is. And I show, <laughs> and he is also my frat brother. So, I do oh, I have to give hey. him 
yeah. So I give them double respect. But man, we wanted those guys, and we had on the um, we had on the throwback uniforms. And man, I use, that's my favorite right, lion, right. lion uniform because it's so clean. So those are like my two favorite memories out of that. But what I was gonna say is, I think. As a Lion, I might have lost, and I'm going to check it, maybe one game against Dallas. Wow. I've had a lot of success with the Lions against Dallas. We, Excuse me. We've had a lot of success when I was here against Dallas. So I, that's a good memory for me that we always played them either home or away. We always played them and usually came out on top. You talked about how loud it was at the Silverdome when you guys won that 1991 game. I have to imagine that if that were to happen again oh. – the Detroit would just be oh, nuts. Oh, Tori, they used to tell us in the locker room, they say, if you guys ever won, ever won. Now, they, they were talking about the championship, sure. you know, Super Bowl. But they said, if you guys ever won, you would run the state of Michigan. And I believe oh, that. I, I believe that, Tori. Absolutely. That. Now, this is my question. I don't know if Hart Plaza, everybody say Hart Plaza would be big enough to hold the Lions Parade. <laughs> I say I don't think it would because what the Red Wings had a million five down there, and you should see the picture of highest pack. Man, the Lions, we'll double. We might even triple that number, man, with Lion fans. I know we'll at least double that number with Lion <laughs> fans. So we might have to find someplace else to hold our celebration. <laughs> well, wishful thinking. I now, know. <laughs> we're, we're not quite a jumping ahead to I that know. off of one win <laughs> over the Patriots. It just made me think of it because Lomas brought up uh, the 1991 playoff win so I thought it was a fun little sidetrack conversation there but uh, for me my uh, memories of Dallas are not great Lions memories Mm. my first playoff game with the Lions was 2014 when there was a little bit of drama I don't know if anybody might remember that game and how it ended uh yeah that was an interesting excuse me how it was taken away yeah that's a good point Oh, that was bad. Damn. They just made up a call, Tori. Oh, my goodness. How you just make up something, then you pull up the flag. Well, I mean, this isn't over it, guys. He's gosh, not over I'm it. not. I'm sorry, Tori, but go ahead. You can you can go ahead and continue. No, that's it. I mean, of course, uh, a couple years ago, the Lions played in Dallas on the day after Christmas. Mm. So we were in Dallas on Christmas Day. So I spent Christmas Day in Dallas with all of my lovely uh, Lions cohorts here. And we okay. went out to dinner in Dallas. So that's just a more of a personal memory rather than a professional memory. Memory. Um, but anyways, there are a lot of uh, memories between Lions and Cowboys. And I think that another one that is probably whoever's listening to this is kind of shouting this out in their car right now is the um, Stafford play against the Cowboys. That is just it's the intro yeah. to this podcast. It, the call for that play oh, is the wow. intro to this is podcast. It? Oh, so wow. <laughs> we have to bring it up. We have the same little music intro to the podcast every week. And it's Dan Miller calling that play oh. of uh, the fake spike. And it's that, just an epic. That, play, that's right? his call there, man. <laughs> uh, man, Dan, isn't he the greatest? I mean, his voice, he makes a field goal sound exciting, man. But that <laughs> is, that's a great call. And you're right, man. That's a great moment. That's the one thing I say, Tori, I wish I could have blocked for Matthew. 
because of how tough the guy is. He's just a tough, tough guy, man. I love tough football players. Yes, yes, he he is. And this is a homecoming for him, so he'll yep, be heading that's down right. uh, to Dallas. Hopefully he'll get to see some family, especially with having his new little girl yep. um, and, and uh, expanding their family. Good for Matthew Stafford. And on that topic, Lomas, we do our podcast trivia every week. Uh-oh. So we've we got go. a trivia question okay. that is Matthew Stafford and Texas-themed. Mm. So as we talked about, to homecoming for Matthew Stafford. So here's your question for this week. I want you guys to name me what Texas high school Matthew Stafford went to and tell me what year he won the state championship with them. So two-parter. We do a lot of two-parters two around yeah, here, but I, I, want, I want you to give me both parts of that. The name okay. of the high school and what year his team won the state title. If you know the answer to that question, tweet it at Lions, and you could win an autographed prize. If you go back on the Lions Twitter feed, there's people who have tweeted their prizes that they've already won and have already been shipped to them. Um, And it's really cool to see you guys participating in this podcast and being a part of it so that we're not just sitting here talking to each other, although I I enjoy talking to (laughs) Lomas. It's good to have you guys be a part of this conversation as well and uh, tweet me every week with the answers to these trivia questions. So thank you, as always, for being a part of that. And we will see you next week. Bye.